0: hey guys thanks for joining the radiate church podcast today i'm brandon the lead pastor here at radiate and i'm honored that you jumped in to hear this message i hope that it challenges you inspires you and leads you to the life god intends enjoy the message i am honored to be back how many of you guys are excited to be in the house this morning come on now I am pumped to be back. I am a, par, uh, a proud to be a part of a church that allows uh, my family and I to go have some time together to reflect and recharge and, and re-energize and get some some vision back in the house and, and, and make sure we're going in the right direction. I just want to tell you, if you're sitting in the house today, it's not my accident, first of all. And second of all, you're a part of something... That is about to take off with uh, with nitrous oxide in the back. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're about to go. We're about to go fast. And uh, God's got some direction. It's going to be awesome. And uh, thank you for being a part of this journey. Thank you for all the birthday wishes, all the misses, uh, all that stuff that we got over the past month. Uh, I'm honored. I want to say uh, online, thank you for checking us out and, and continue to be there. I just want to say I am grateful for online. Uh, we could be uh, on vacation, spending time with family, and still watch. Watching the Word online, and I know my guys that were here for the past uh, month, for the past four weeks, are going to be watching today. And I just want to tell you, Pastor Chuck, Pastor Nick, Pastor Mark, Pastor Travis, thank you guys so much for depositing your Word into this house. Come on, somebody, we honor, we honor around here. And uh, I, I thank you guys. I love you. Um, everybody came up to me this morning. A lot of our volunteers, and were telling me how much they enjoyed the speakers and stuff, and I was like, yeah, those are my boys. That, I'm not going to, listen, here's what you can know. If I ever go somewhere on a Sunday, I will leave you with somebody that's going to bring prime rib. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to bring that flank steak, boy. they bring in prime rib. You're going to walk out full and chewing for a week on what they said, right? Okay, you'll get there. Anyway, now, I'm excited to be back. Uh, Pastor Travis was joking with me before, he said, man, you had four weeks off, that means you've probably got about six messages wrapped up into one today, and uh, I I may or may not, I I can't confirm nor deny that, but I do want to encourage you to go ahead and open, turn in or on your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're ending up this Remix series, Remix, what we've been doing, I'm sorry, what we've been doing is we've been looking at our core values of Radiate Church, we call it the Radiate Way. And uh, each speaker over the month, each, each preacher over the month, has been talking about a different core value. And I wanted to take the one, because I'm the pastor of this house, and so I get to pick what I want to preach on. And uh, I wanted to pick, uh, we are the church. That's just the title of the whole thing, we are the church. And I can tell you, um, I got a clear understanding of the church by being, uh, taking some time to ask God, what is the church supposed to look like? What is the church supposed to act like? Can I tell you that the church is not called to be a stagnant organism that sits in one location and fills and meets the needs on Sundays and that's it? If the church is not moving seven days a week, it is not the church. If the church is not living and active, it is not the church, it is a club. It is a meeting, it is an organization that decides when they gather and when they don't. It is an organization that then then becomes more about my preferences than the vision of the kingdom. It becomes more about what I want more than what God has called it to be. And when I, I just feel like what we have to do is to come back to a deep understanding, and I had to do this, and I want you to be a part of this with me. We have to come back to an understanding of what the definition of the church is. And I'm not talking about radiate church. Can you understand that? Like, we will talk specifically about Radiate Church, but the truth is, I'm not talking just about Radiate Church. When I say the church, I want you to understand, I'm talking about the big C church. That is every single church that is a kingdom-believing, Jesus-preaching, Jesus-forgiving church that loves people, loves God, and directs people to the cross. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about our little group of people Four or five hundred or so that get to meet in here every single Sunday. Because if we become that, we're not the church. And we might as well lock the doors, give this area all this stuff to a church that will actually do what the church is called to do. And we will not become that place. We will not become an organization that meets only to meet, but we will become a church that moves to make a difference. Are you with me? Come on, y'all getting quiet quick. The, uh, I believe that, I heard a pastor say this one time. I've said it before, and I believe it with everything inside of my heart. The church, the local church, is the hope of the world. I believe that if the local church would step up and be as active as God designed it to be in the beginning, that a lot of the stuff that we're freaking out about on the news every day wouldn't even be taking place. Because we're meeting the needs of the people. We're helping people get emotionally stable. We're helping people get help instead of telling them they need help and then never doing anything to help them. You know what I'm saying? Now, I can't do anything if you won't receive help. But I can be the kingdom derivative or the kingdom operative that goes to you and offers help. You with me? I believe that the local church would become moving like everything else, then the truth of the matter, like God intended it to be, Excuse me. then the truth of the matter is most of the hunger, the world hunger, most of all the hurt and the pain in the world would cease to be there because where the love of Jesus is, there is love, there is freedom, there is peace. So what that tells me is when there's absence of love, there's absence of freedom, there's absence of peace, can I tell you what that means according to Scripture? It's the absence of the presence of God. Now, if you go back into Scripture, we're getting a little deep today, but you're with me, right? If we go back into Scripture and we believe that the presence of God brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruits of the Spirit, and it brings about freedom in people's lives. And we know that if there is the absence of that, it is probably the absence of God then we have to look back at what was the one thing, the one driving force that was to bring the love of God, the presence of God, into an area that needs those things. And it was the church. It was the church of the kingdom of God. Don't, 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 don't give up on me yet. See, the church is highly, highly misunderstood. Because the church, when we talk about the church, what we talk about is... Our worship team, our pastor, right? we talk about our teams that we serve on, we talk about our kids' ministry, we talk about the outreaches that we do and all those things, and none of that stuff is bad, and all that stuff needs to happen, it needs to be right, it needs to be excellent, because we're doing things for God, and God deserves the best that we can give. If we're not giving God the best of our lives and the best of our servanthood, then we're not giving Him what He deserves. Can I just tell you that? And so, but when we talk about the church, what we talk about is our preferences when we gather. But that was not what the church was intended to be. In fact, if you go back to the Greek word that, that was derived for the word church, it's the word ekklesia or ecclesia, however you want to say it. But ekklesia is literally defined and transferred or, or, or translated to mean this a people called out. The word church, ecclesia, does not mean a people that gather on one day a week. It means a people called out. What does it mean when you're called out? <clears throat> when you're called out, you're singled out in front of someone, right? Come on, let's, let's, y'all know what I'm talking about. So when you call somebody out, right, right, our worship pastor loves to take random naps. He just does, right. He didn't know I was talking about this today because I wanted to call him out. No, I'm just kidding. He loves to take random naps. Don't take him to Groucho's and expect a conversation with him afterwards because Groucho's puts him to sleep in Groucho's. You know what I'm saying? I love you. I love you. And see, the truth is what I just did, I'm picking with him. He knows I love him and it's all joking. But a lot of people go, man, you called him out. You know why? Because I singled him out in front of everyone else as something that is different about him. Because I don't fall asleep every time I eat a sandwich. (laughs) Or sit still. Or get quiet for three seconds. In fact, when we're on the phone and we're talking and it gets quiet for a minute, I'm like, hey, Chris, wake up! No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that, but I will start. Called out. See, ecclesia, a people called out. In other words, it's a group of people of a certain belief system that are called out to be different from everyone else around them. It's not a gathering on one day a week. It's a people that move together for a certain destination and in a certain achievement and accomplishment at the same time. In other words, they're people called out to do something different than anybody else is doing. You want to know if you're a part of a church? Don't, don't guess, because some of you are, are here visiting. You're from another church and things like that, and that's cool. You're in town. You're, you're from another church. I just want to tell you how to know if you're a part of a church. Is that church active in doing things out in the community? Or do they gather and have good worship and talk about people on Sundays? Come on, we're getting there. And because the church is the people... I want you to think about this and and write this down and try to remember this, but it's when the people of God move, the church moves. The church will go to the level that the people of God go to. I hear people all the time, Pastor, my church just... Your church, I love your church. It's it's alive. There's 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 action and 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 there's excitement and all those things. And in in my church, I hear it. My church is not that. My church is dead. I went to a church, a <coughs> state away this summer, and they looked at me and they said, man, what do I need to do? My church is this, we took this over and there's some frustration and it's it's just dead. It's not as alive. I wanted to look at them and go, the church can't be what your people are not. A lot of times we'll look and we'll become a part of a group of people, but we don't want to become what we think the church ought to become. We want somebody else to become that for us. Because it takes more responsibility for me to do it. I might have to change some things. I might have to start tithing rather than just looking at you and judging you for not. I might have to actually pray instead of just sit there with my eyes wide open staring at other people. I may have to actually start singing the songs instead of listening to the pastor clap off beat. Right. Because if I want my church to be something, I've got to be it first. Back when I was growing up in church, and this is not a slam on anything, we used to have, it seemed like every month, a revival. Right. You have a speaker come in and you'd have a week long series of meetings and it would be exciting and it'd be fun and it'd be amazing. Right. And you'd be excited for about 14 days. And then on the 21st day or the 15th day or whatever day it was, you'd sit back and you'd be like, I don't know what happened, but it's just not like it was. That's because you got excited about who was speaking, not what God was doing. When we get excited about what God is doing, the church begins to do something. But we sit back, and a lot of times our definition of church is dependent on our preference. Not on His call. See the early church um, grew tremendously fast, and a lot of people say, "Well, of course it did. Jesus was there." No, Jesus died to establish the church. Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen through twenty. A lot of us know this scripture is the Great Commission to go into all the world, go into all the world, making disciples. There it is. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We look at that, and we go, "Oh, that's good." But can I tell you what that is? That's the establishment of the church right there, in two verses. Jesus is saying, this is why I came. I'm leaving now so that you may be empowered by the Holy Spirit, that you may go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, not just your group, not just your personality type, not just your skin color, not just your economic status, not just those things for you, but of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not just talking about physical baptism. What is baptism? The immersion of something. To immerse people in the love of the Father, in the forgiveness of the son and in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit immerse them in that teach them to obey all that I command and I am with you even to the end of the age. In other words, Jesus is looking and going, if you'll do that, I'm with you until it's all over because I established something that we're gonna call the organization of the church that is gonna impact people forever. And it started with 12, went to 120 in the upper room, and grew to over a hundred thousand within 20-something years from the inception of the church. Don't tell me that the church can't grow. Don't tell me that the church can't change lives. Don't tell me, well, that was the Old Testament. No, it wasn't, it was the New Testament. Okay, well, that was the biblical times. I don't care. He's the same God yesterday. He's the same God today. And he's the same God tomorrow. When Jesus died for the church in that scripture, he died for the church in 2018. He didn't just die for the church in Corinth and in in Ephesus and in, in all these places. He died for the church in Elgin and in Kershaw County, and in South Carolina, and all over the nation. If our view of church is dependent on the building we meet in, then we have dumbed the church down to a quantified engineering layout. In other words, if my view of the church is dependent on where we meet, the songs we sing, and the people I talk to, then I have made the church so small that God can't do what he wants to do because we can't hold all he has. In Matthew, or the, the Gospels, there's a story of Jesus going back to his hometown. And it says in there, when he went to his hometown, it says, he could not, could not do many miracles there. And then there's a reason behind it. Because of their unbelief. In another word, says because of their dishonor. In other words, when Jesus walked back into his hometown, he wasn't Jesus. He was the teenage kid that played soccer in the streets with the other kids. They didn't see him as a miracle worker. They just saw him as another man. And so they missed out on the miracle that could have changed their life. Because of the way that they saw him. Are we missing out on the powerful move of the church in our generation because of the way that we see it? Are we missing out on what could happen in this county, in this town, and in this state because of the way that we define church? if we are more worried about the loudness of the music than we are the loudness of our prayers, we've defined the church by something it's not supposed to be. If if we're more worried about how easy I can get a meeting with the pastor rather than how easy I can talk to my neighbor, we've made the church something that it's not. If I'm more concerned about the person that didn't speak to me than the person that prayed over me, then I've made the church something that it's not. Are you following me today? If, If I'm more concerned about what you're doing with my money than what I'm holding on to, I've made the church something that it's not. I'm not saying any of that stuff's wrong. I'm not saying accountability is bad. I'm not saying any of that stuff. What I'm saying is, is it's our definition of the church and the way we see it that may decide if we miss on the miracle of it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do in the church and in this state and in this county all because I'm worried about things that I shouldn't be worried about with the church. And I want to show you what Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through through uh, thir- or 13 through thir- 27 says. I want to show you what he says about the church. It's really interesting, and and it's all going to come full circle if you'll give me about 10 minutes. 1 Corinthians 12, let's go to 12. 12 through 27 says this, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free... And we were all made to drink of one spirit. Say one. There seems to be a common theme in this scripture here. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, Because I am a hand, uh, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, Because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, listen to this, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, to the feet, uh, uh, to the head to the feet. Or again, the head to the feet, sorry. I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Follow me now. you got to get this. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. Listen to me. Honor is not for the person you're giving it to. It's for you. Because if they're a leader or a person worth their salt in the kingdom, they don't need you to lift them up. But you need to lift them up for what it's going to unlock in you. Does that make sense? They have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. The members care for one another. It doesn't say the pastor goes to everybody's house and prays over them specifically and individually. It says the members care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. In other words, we don't have jealousy. We celebrate your celebrations, and we hurt with your heartbreaks. And then it says this in verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed. Uh, We'll we'll stop there. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. There's three things I want to tell you real quick. The first one is found in 1218, and I am going to go quick because I think I've already laid a strong foundation for where we're going today. It's this, there is, the first thing is, there's a creator. There's a creator. When you walked in today, you got a piece of the puzzle, right? You got a piece of the puzzle. If you didn't get a piece of the puzzle, talk to an usher on your way out, and we'll get you a piece of the puzzle, because it's only going to make sense in a minute. But a piece of the puzzle is nothing, is it? You can't look at that piece of the puzzle and tell what the picture's going to look like. What's the puzzle supposed to look like? What's the puzzle supposed to be? You can't look at your end of it. In fact, grab your piece of the puzzle, real quick, in your, out of your pocket, off your seat, wherever it's at. If you don't have one, look at your neighbors and be jealous. Um, you can get one after it's all over, but you can't look at that piece of the puzzle and go, "Oh, I know exactly what this puzzle's going to look like." You know why? Because the puzzle doesn't show the whole picture, but when somebody looks and shows you the whole picture, you go, "Oh, I can see where my piece of the puzzle make and fit into that, but it took somebody to design the picture. From the grand scheme of things, to know the larger landscape, to scale it to the right dimensions, to know how to make it a puzzle, so that when the pieces fit together, that the whole picture now becomes clear to everybody that sees it. I can't look at my piece and go, I know how that's going to fit in. I can't do that. Because there's a creator that knows that. There's somebody that has to take, create, or draw the picture in the first place so that there's a place where you and I fit in the piece of the puzzle. God is the creator. Now where we mess it up is we try to recreate what he's already created. God, that's not how I want church to be. He didn't ask your opinion. Right? Right? God, that's not how I wanted my life to go. He didn't ask your, uh, your, your opinion on that either. See, what he did was he looked and he said, here's the grand scheme of things. And everything you do and everything you go through, every gift you have, every opportunity you're given is a piece of the puzzle that goes to the grander picture. So when I go through hard times, what I have to understand is that piece of the puzzle of my life may not make sense in the grand scheme at that moment, but there's going to come a day where I can look down from the perspective of God and I can see where the hurt made the whole puzzle come into play and now the picture's more beautiful because that piece of my life had to play play out you with me see God created the vision the picture the landscape of the church you didn't and I didn't we like to think that if we pray enough then we can create what God wants us to do no you just discover what he's already created that's what it is when we set out to start radiate church over six years ago I didn't create the vision. I didn't create what it was going to look like. I didn't create what it was going to feel like. I didn't create all of you guys in here. Here's what happened. I discovered what God had already created as the vision of the local church called Radiate Church and the vision of the global church called the Kingdom. It's the bigger picture. There is a creator that we cannot forget about. We don't get to create the vision Or the picture, we get to work it. So when I get to a place to where it's like, I don't want to do it that way. That's not how I think it should be done. It don't matter. Because we didn't create the picture. If you go and create your own picture, then you get to decide what line goes where, and what color is where, and what happens here, and what happens there. But it's not that way whenever God decides. I get to color in the lines. I don't get to decide what line goes where. Are you with me today? You following me? He created, he's created the picture. There's a creator at work. The second thing is, is this, that if you look in verses 28 through 29, Uh, I want to read that to you real quick. We didn't read those together, so I'll read them now. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? Let me tell you something. The second thing we got to understand is everybody has different gifts at different levels. Okay? God is the creator, and the Bible says... Earlier in that scripture, then he composed the body just as he desired. In other words, we all have different gifts at different levels. And that has got to be okay with us. Because I am not, I'm just going to tell you, you know why Chris is on staff? I picked with him, I'm going to lift him up now. You know why Chris is on staff as our worship pastor? I'm not a worship pastor. And if you stood next to me like Bridget did during worship today... I know she was sitting there going, I wish you would be quiet and sing to yourself for a minute because you're distracting me from actually worshiping God. It's, I know the Bible says it's a joyful noise unto the Lord, but he, you're not the Lord. <laughs> and it probably ain't a joyful noise unto you or me, right? I'm not a worship pastor. I don't have that gift, nor do I have it at that level. But the more we want to move up, the more we have to increase the level of our gift. And the more we have to understand that sometimes there's people in the body, just as he desired, that need to rise to the top because they have a level of a gifting that we don't have. You with me? Is this making sense? See, a lot of people want the title of a leader, but few people want the responsibility of it. Because what you're called to, you're held accountable for. We, we want to be called to be the leader of people. But if you don't have people skills and you don't have the ability to grow and you don't even want to grow, guess what? You're held accountable for not growing. And God will look at us one day and go, dude, I gave you ten people to serve with and to lead and you couldn't even help them grow in their devotional life, much less help them do anything else. Why? Well, pastor, that's kind of mean to say that God would look at us and say that. That's because you're held accountable to the level of your call. Don't ask for something you're not willing to have the responsibility for. Come on now. There are leaders, and here's what a leader is. A leader is not dependent on a title. The leader is dependent on two things, revelation and and, and, uh, uh, initiative. Revelation and initiative. In other words, they got to have the revelation from God that where we are isn't where we're going to be, and this is how we need to get there. And then we need to have the initiative to go, okay, I know how to get there, but I'm not standing here. I don't even know what the first step's going to look like, but I'm going to take it. It's called initiative. It's called I'm tired of being where I'm at, so I'm going to get where I can go. I just, just a side note real quick. I, y'all know me. I get on these, and I haven't preached it for four weeks, so you're good. Um, The truth is, a lot of times we want to complain that we're in the same place spiritually we were six months ago, but we hadn't taken a step, and then we want to ask God where he's at. And God goes, I'm at the next destination waiting on you to actually move. See, God is always moving. So when we say, there's a move of God, well, duh. He's always moving. It's not that there's a move of God. It's that you caught up with the move of God. Come on. This is good, Pastor. You're doing good. I love you, Pastor. See, the truth is the church has got to learn how to take the step in the revelation rather than waiting on everybody else to tell us what to do. Can I tell you something? Listen, if you serve on a team, thank you. But it's not your leader's job to help you grow spiritually. It's not your, no, no, no. Let me take that back. It is your leader's job to help you grow spiritually. It's not your leader's job to make you grow spiritually. It's not your leader's job to beat you over the head until you do what we're supposed to do to chase the vision. It's your job to come under the submission of the vision of the house. Come on, we talking. The church is not not our preference of style. The church is where God is moving outside of the walls of the gathering on Sunday. Well, why do we gather on Sundays then? We gather on Sundays to bring people into the presence of God into the presence of Jesus, to sit here and go, you know what, I'm going to bust my tail so that somebody can meet Jesus. And here's what I'm proud to say. Over 15 people accepted Jesus in this past four weeks of other people coming in here. Can I tell you something? That's church. Because the church ain't dependent on me being on this stage. The church is dependent on you loving people, bringing people, praying for people, and explaining Jesus to people. That's church. And then third thing, the last thing is this. The last thing is this. Everyone is a piece of the puzzle. Throughout this entire portion of Scripture, specifically 12 through 14 of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, it shows us that we all fit in the grand scheme. Can I tell you something? I, I, I know some of you walked in here today, and, and, and if this is your first time, maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe you've never been to church. Maybe this whole Jesus thing is a whole new era for you, and you don't even get it. Can I tell you something? Welcome home. And it, it, And it's not because we're awesome. It's because he's loving. Because there's going to be a moment, guys, where I'm going to tell you something. You're going to feel unloved by us. Do you know why I say that? because we're humans and we're gonna get it wrong sometimes but the truth of the matter is is when we can look at the picture and then we can look at our peace and we can go you know what I'm not a good public speaker but I can help do other things. I'm great with youth, with teens. I can work with kids. Hey, I'm just the kind of guy, I like to be behind the scenes. Go ahead, guys. I like to be behind the scenes. I don't want to be seen. I'll just help set up on Sunday mornings, or I'll help tear down on Sundays. Hey, you know what? I, I, you know, it's kind of hard for me to do things on Sundays. i got a weird work schedule, whatever. But I have every Tuesday off. Tell me what I can do in the office hey, you know what, my, my, way, my, way, of pray, my, my, my way of serving and, and fitting is, is, is intercession. I, I pray. It's your piece of the puzzle. And what can happen is when we begin to compare pieces of the puzzle and they don't look right, but I want it to look that way. I want to be on the stage. I want the title. I want my name on the website. I want my picture on the card. I want this and I want that. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to do those things. And the truth of the matter is, that's not your piece of the puzzle. And if I try to become somebody else's piece of the puzzle, then I'm taking their glory and I'm telling God he didn't do it good enough in the beginning. But when I look and I go, this is my piece, I can fit right here. And then and then you look at it and you go, I can fit here. And all of a sudden, the pieces in Kershaw County, in Elgin, in South Carolina, because we're not stopping in Kershaw County. We're going to go to Florence County. We're going to go to other towns. We're going to go to other cities. We're going to go to other states. And we're going to tell people about the life God intends there. You know why? Because when we get to a place in those areas, no matter where you're from, to where the pieces start fitting together, the picture starts to make sense. But on the opposite, every one of us comes together and knows our peace and five of us leave our pieces out because we don't want to be that peace then there's a hole in the picture and the picture isn't completed not because they don't want it to be but because my peace is missing you with me growing up I'm done with this story growing up the church I grew up in It's my heritage. I I love the people of that church. One of the things that I remember was they used to have puzzles glued to pieces of board on the wall. And they had them tacked up in Sunday school rooms. Some of y'all don't know what Sunday school is. It's life groups. It just met on Sunday mornings. (laughs) We do it during the week. And they had them in in the... I think they're still there, actually. And there was one puzzle... In my teenage Sunday school class, in that puzzle, somewhere along the line, somebody had torn off a piece of that puzzle, just one piece, right in the middle of the puzzle. And, and, and I'm the kind of guy, I pay attention to details a lot, like, I, I will notice things that most people don't notice. They ask me in the office, they're like, how did you even see that that picture was crooked? Like, we don't even look over there, I see everything. And my eye, every time, went to the one place where the piece was missing. I can't even tell you to this day what the whole picture looked like. But I can literally tell you that the piece that was missing was in the center to the right, just a little bit. In the back, the cardboard back, there was a layer of it still glued to the board. But the picture piece had been ripped off the puzzle. You could see where it was because the cardboard was still there, but the picture of it was gone. Have no idea what the picture was. <laughs> what if the way that we're seeing church is allowing us to miss the miracle in our lives? But not just in our lives, in the lives of everybody around us. Because the church gathers here on Sundays. But we change lives Monday through Sunday. Outside of these walls. Outside of them. Phone calls, text messages, hugs, prayers, emails, Facebook, interactions, You Matter cards, whatever it is. Lives don't just change on Sundays. They change every day of the week. Because if it's not, it's not the church. It's an imitation of the church. Well, Pastor, you just sat there for weeks and just thought about things that people said and got mad about it, and now you came and preached about it. Not really. But what I did do, and you will not hear more about this in fresh air, is I got a breath of fresh air that changed my life. Because I understand a little bit more what the church is supposed to be. And can I tell you something? The church, if we stop... Listen, if you go home today, and this is the last time you pray, the last time you worship, and the last time you read the Word this week... And we're not the church. We're just people that like coming together and hanging out. But what would happen if we all put our puzzle pieces in together and interlocked them and we said, no. We will be the church that changes lives. We will be the church that the kingdom is exalted. We will be the church where darkness trembles. We will be the church where chains break. It doesn't just happen on Sundays, but on Monday at work, and on Tuesday in Food Lion, and on Wednesday over to social media. We will be the church where it all begins, where it all starts, where my piece of the puzzle is fit into the picture. You don't have to like it, but you've got to be a part of it, because God is doing something that we've never seen before, and it's the breath of fresh air in this area. Are you ready? Church to be the church. Come on, church. Stand your feet with me this morning. I want to pray because I'm about to lose my voice. I got one more sermon to preach. I want to pray as you hold your piece of the puzzle up high. I want to pray two things. One, we got teams getting ready for you. Don't worry. Don't pay attention to that. One is this that we would accept Jesus into our lives because that's where the church begins. And two, that we would be a part of the puzzle piece through You Matter cards, invite cards, serving on teams, life groups, whatever it looks like. If you would, bow your heads with me. If you're in the house today, you say, Pastor, I've never prayed that prayer of forgiveness or salvation. I'm ready. Today's my day. I'm ready to do it. If that's you, would you throw your hand up in the air right where you're at right now? I just want to pray with you. Come on, anybody who's ready for salvation in the house today anybody whose life is ready to change let's go amen now hold your puzzle piece up in the air high as you can if you don't have it yet hold up a bare hand you can grab it on the way out father we lift this up to you we are a piece of the puzzle we will be a part of the church God we will do things that nobody's ever done because you're doing things in us that nobody's ever done God I pray in this moment revelation I pray initiative God, I pray that we would move. God, that you would use us to make the darkness tremble. One last time, let's sing that in worship. Come on. We're so glad you joined us today at the Radiate Church podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry in any way, let us know. Send us an email at youmatterradiatechurch.net to share how God is working in your life. Join us in reaching others by investing today at radiatechurch.net slash give. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive weekly messages delivered right to your phone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.